Thank you guys, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I am really excited. This is our first live question and answer. So for our listeners right now that will be listening to our podcast, we are at this place in Frisco, Texas. Let's give it up, audience, for Frisco, Texas. Best place to live. If you don't live in Texas, move to Texas. If you don't live in Frisco, move to Frisco. So we are at the wine uh, bar and beer bar. It's called Cork and Growler. It's the coolest place I've ever been. Love this place. You come in, they have wine. Tuesday nights, that's why we're here. Uh, ladies night, 50% off wine. And um, they have craft beers on tap. And I didn't know what a growler was. Did you know what a growler was, Dr. Hill? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> well, I didn't know what a growler was. I just thought it was like a really mean dog or something. Like, no, no, no. It's a, it's a container for beer. Yeah, it's a container for beer. So you can come in and get a craft beer to go because they'll put it in a container for you. And they will actually seal the container. So anyway, thank you. I want, um, I want to just kind of introduce you briefly, and then I'm going to let you kind of discuss about yourself, because you do that really well, Dr. Hill. You talk about yourself really well. Some would say I talk about myself or talk all the time uh, and often. <laughs> um, thanks so much, Anne, for having me. This is fantastic. Uh, you know, Cork and Growler, I've never been, but it's an amazing place, um, and this podcast is going to be a blast. Um, so about myself, well, what can I say? Well, you're a plastic surgeon. I didn't get to say that. Well, thank you. Uh, there you go. You know, Dr. Sean Hill, Lone Star Plastic Surgery. We're on Facebook Live. Hello there. Um, uh, at Lone Star Plastic Surgery, we're here in Frisco, Texas. We've been open for um, almost... Uh, several months now. It's been fantastic. Um, I trained here for a million years in Dallas and Austin and around the country. And so we kind of specialize in being awesome, um, doing everything <laughs> head to toe, cosmetics, reconstructive, and all those good things. And so um, that's really about it, Anne. Yeah. Well, give us, give us a little bit of a little bit more what what do you like to do I know you like to do it all but tell me what is your favorite surgery and this isn't really part of the interview but just tell me what what's your favorite surgery you like to do well, you know that's great uh, it's a great question Anne. and um, you know it's kind of like so I did extra training uh, throughout my time to do faces and noses which is kind of where I see the practice going here in five to ten years but I'm here in Frisco Texas and up to this point in time it's been a lot of breast and body which is Amazing and fun. I love doing those cases, but uh, oh, which by the way, just so you guys will know, this is not fake news. This is real news, but fake boobs. Hashtag real news, <laughs> fake boobs. Um, that's what we specialize in at Lone Star Plastic Surgery: real news and fake boobs. That's right. And my name is Ann Bechtold RN. You can find me at either annbechtoldrn.com or you can find me at aestheticannrn.com. And you may ask, why do I keep saying? RN on the end, because RN is important for what we're going to talk about later. We'll get into credentials later, but I am an aesthetic nurse. I'm also a plastic surgery nurse, so you had mentioned that you'd you'd gone through... Um, yeah, you know, um, that's, that's actually how I met Anne, yeah. because Anne has uh, been in the business for quite a, some time, not to age you, but, you know, she's very experienced, and uh, she actually worked for a practice I used to work with down in Dallas called the Dallas Plastic Surgery Institute, which uh, where I was uh, learned from the masters of aesthetic surgery, and I bring their skills here to Frisco, but Anne actually has been working... How long have you been with DPSI, Anne? I have been with DPSI going on seven years, I believe. Oh, it good could gosh. be eight, but for sure seven. So yes. and, and I'm what's, what they call PRN. That means um, 
post real nurse. No, just kidding. That means <laughs> just as needed. So I do a lot of fill-in, and I work in a place called the Cloister. So I take care of people that have had plastic surgery, as you know, Dr. Hill. They've had plastic surgery, and they're in the recovery process. They've They've gone through pre-op, they've gone through the OR, they've gone through PACU, they're recovering, and then they come into our, quote, hotel with nursing care. So it's a luxury hotel that people can stay anywhere from 12 to 36 hours after they've had their surgery, and they have private nursing care, which would be me, and we take care of them, and they recover, and then they go home, and then they look fabulous about six weeks later. (laughs) Well, they always look fabulous, Anne, um, from day one. It's just uh, more fabulous. Or, or you take their, their fabulousness and you hone it. That's right. There you go. It's Thanks. enhanced beauty, if you will. So um, I'm so excited to be here, Ann. This is going to be great. I've, you know, we're doing live Q&A, as you said. So this is why I'm excited to answer these questions from like real people here in Frisco, Texas. Yeah. And also I've got um, some people. Real that, people in Frisco, Texas with and, fake boobs. Yeah, exactly. And some of them actually have texted me. So it's going to be great. So I well, guess. Before we get into that, I want to distinguish what is the difference between a plastic surgeon and a cosmetic surgeon. I get this question all the time and it's very, very important. It's very similar to what is the difference between an esthetician and an aesthetic nurse? Because a lot of people, when I say I'm an aesthetic nurse, they think I'm an esthetician. So there's a big distinction there. So let's cover those two questions really quick. So yeah. Why don't you let them know the difference between a plastic well, surgeon yeah, and a cosmetic that, surgeon? That, that's a great question, Ann. So, what, so credentialing is always like a big deal right there, right? Because I mean, I, I, I'm up here in street Frisco. Street cred. Yeah, yeah, hashtag street cred. Um, you know, I'm up here in Frisco, and so I go around to all these different, um, uh, you know, practices and whatnot, and I see people doing aesthetics. And so you got to say to yourself, you know, a good question for you is, um, what is the credentials of the person that's treating me? So what is the difference between, say, a cosmetic surgeon and a, um, a plastic surgeon? Well, a plastic surgeon actually has done, they've both done, quote, you know, four years of medical school, but a cosmetic surgeon has done any sort of fellowship under the sun. So it could be a family medicine fellowship, it could be emergency medicine fellowship, it could be pediatrics fellowship, it could be a fellowship in fake medicine, and then they do a one-year fellowship in cosmetic surgery, and suddenly they're a cosmetic surgeon. So y- y'all really need to be careful because some of these, quote, cosmetic surgeons out there have no more training than, say, you know, maybe um, someone cleaning your pool. And so they're <laughs> going to be injecting poison in your face, and that's something you need to be wary of. Just because they have MD after the name does not mean they know what they're doing. Um, you need to look for certain kinds of doctors, like, say, maybe, I don't know, plastic surgeons who do a full medical school time, then they do uh, three to five years of general surgery, and then a plastic surgery fellowship, which lasts three years. And so, as you can understand, that's quite a few years off your time uh, there. So that's the difference between a plastic surgeon and a, quote, cosmetic surgeon. Um, So do your homework, y'all. And then, you know, the other question you got to ask yourself then, too, is how does, how is Anne different as a nurse injector RN versus a esthetician well, or I'm something else? Well, freaking awesome, number one. Well, no, I, Anne, I know you're awesome. I mean, that's, that goes without saying, but <laughs> how, is an, how is your credentials different than, say, someone off the street? Well, so there's a, there's a couple of different ways to answer that. Number one, as a registered nurse... It is within my scope of practice to actually stick needles in people's faces or anywhere else on their body. <laughs> so, but um, when you're talking about an esthetician, uh, an esthetician is somebody that does facial treatments, um, 
I call it, and, and not to discount it at all, because I love estheticians and they're great, but kind of more the fluff and puff. They do facials, they do like one of our gifts that we have here, microdermabrasion, chemical peels, um, and things that are important because it helps the skin. They We have stuff called microneedling, that, that's collagen induction therapy, a lot of things like that. Um, estheticians usually do those things, but to inject Botox, which is considered a drug, and to do facial fillers, which by the way, um, a lot of people probably don't realize that. Have you noticed what the fillers box says? You do know that fillers are an implantable device. They come in a box? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, so fillers... The box are, is what gets in the way of me actually putting the product in. I'm sorry. Yeah, I but if you, if you look at the outside of any of the fillers now, you're going to notice it says implantable device. Really? So that, yeah, so that's like that's not any different than if I were doing a Foley catheter, if I were doing something. So I work within my scope of practice, and, um, and I have to have orders to do that. And But if you have someone that's not that doesn't understand what they're doing, um, you can run into some issues. You know, Botox is not really as much of an issue. You might have a dropped lid or a brow or something like that. It's not as much of an issue as having, you know, someone do some bad filler. Um, but so credentials are important. You do not want anyone injecting you that has credentials less than RN for real nurse. I mean, well, sorry, registered nurse. <laughs> mainly because I've had anatomy and physiology. Estheticians have not had anatomy and physiology, so I understand the muscular, the muscularization of the face, especially the vascularization of the face, which is most important. But I understand how muscles work synergistically and antagonistically together and against each other, but most importantly, as mentioned before, the vascularization of the face is really important because you don't want to occlude a vessel or an artery with the filler that we put in the face. That would be really, really bad. And it will, it will immediately begin to necrose the tissue, which means the tissue will start dying. So that would be bad. So make sure that you are being injected by someone who is a nurse or greater. And I also have a certification that less than 350 nurses in the United States have. So I have initials after my RN, and they're C-A-N-S, cans. And so my husband loves you, my cans. You, you have great cans, Anne. Yeah, thank you. My husband says so, too. <laughs> when I was a member of, well, I still am a member of Texas Nurse Association. I have TNA and cans. So... There you go. Oh, wow. So <laughs> in case no one was listening, Ann has TNA and cans. Yeah. Two things that, I, those are things I usually sell in my practice. And, you <laughs> ha, and, you ha, and, and I don't know how, how much you paid for them, I but I mean, like. Them. Mine were free. Yours so, are free? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mine, well, there you go. No fake news, <laughs> you, fake you, news you, here. you got a really good deal from that guy. Yeah, the man upstairs. So certified aesthetic nurse specialist. That's what CANS stands for. Certified aesthetic nurse specialists are not initials that I put after my name to look fancy. I didn't make it up. You'll see a lot of nurses out there. They will put master injector after their name. They'll put aesthetic nurse, I mean, which I am an aesthetic nurse, but they'll try to make things sound fancy. Those are just marketing. CANS is not fancy. It's given to me by the Plastic Surgical Nursing Board. I had to be doing what I'm doing for at least two years. I had to work for um, a physician that was in one of the five core specialties, which plastic surgery is one of them. And then I had to sit for a standardized test. And so I know, I may not know rocket science, but I know laser physics and I know chemistry of skincare and I know everything about every injectable out there. So 
That's what my CANS stands for. That's what your CAN stand for. Awesome. Yeah. So anyway, so we've talked about credentials, and, and I really cannot stress enough how important that is. I think, I don't know if some of you guys have seen on the news about the, there was a nurse arrested in Houston, and that can be confusing because it's a nurse that was arrested for injecting Botox and fillers. However, she is not a registered nurse. Um, she's an LVN, which LVN and LPNs, licensed vocational nurse, licensed practical nurse, they are important. Um, they're highly utilized in hospitals and nursing homes, but they are not able to practice autonomously on their own. I, as a registered nurse, can practice autonomously on my own. So you cannot have anyone less than a registered nurse be injecting you with Botox and fillers unless the physician is on site. If the physician is off site, you need, you need someone like myself. Anyway, she was arrested. Um, that's kind of the deal on that. There was also a guy that was an esthetician. Um, he was injecting. He was arrested. And on top of that, so let's talk about product that comes into this country. So how would you feel if you found out that you were injected by Botox made in Turkey? What? Yeah, this no. dude was arrested for Botox. I, I, er, everything I'm here is made in the USA, Ann. It has to be made in the well, What about Allergan? Uh, you know, it, international headquarters of Allergan is in Ireland. What if it comes from Ireland? Well, I'm actually Irish in my heritage, oh. so I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> so, no, so I'm actually okay with that with any Allergan device because nah. I'm from Ireland. No, sir. It has to be FDA approved. If what? It, it has to have USA on it if it's got. Ireland, Allergan Ireland. It may be true, real Allergan product, but if it is not um, USA, then it's not FDA approved. You know that. You're pulling my leg. What? I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm just learning. I'm uh, sitting at the foot of the master right now, learning from you, Anne. <laughs> Whatever. Just yeah. throw, no throw more knowledge at me, please. <laughs> so, anyway, it, it is important. So, not only do you have to have credentials, but you also want to make sure that the product you're getting is is the real product and especially with fillers like okay we do not buy our fillers from home depot okay we don't put silicone in your face anymore well, silicone has to be that that's what dr hill does he puts silicone breast implants in yeah or well, saline the, medical grade medical you know grade. that's a, that's a good point and is actually the um you know, the, where, where does my Botox come from or what's in the syringe? Because I have patients come to my office sometimes they are like, oh, I paid for a syringe of Botox at that clinic and it didn't work at all. You all need to be careful what you get out there because, you know, you could buy a syringe of something and someone may claim that it's Botox. Actually, I had a person that came in the other day to my office that had a, they thought they bought a syringe of Botox and it was actually a syringe of Dysport, which is actually a completely different product and a different well, price point. same but different, but Well, yeah. but they thought they got X amount of units of Botox, which sells for way more, whereas Dysport sells for a little bit less. And so they are paying for Botox, but not getting the Botox. And so thus they're paying for something that was not actually in the syringe. So y'all need to be careful what is in this syringe you're getting injected in your face and you need to do your homework. Yeah, um, and absolutely. And, you know, and, sa and same with fillers too. And I think it's a good, you, you make the joke about this medical grade silicone that's being injected in people or not well, medical and, and grade. And by the way, we do not put collagen, we do not inject collagen anymore either. Except, except Bellafil. Bellafil is, but it's not, it is, but it isn't. But anyway. It's not real collagen. But you know, back like back in the 90s, they used to do collagen in the yeah. lips. You don't ever want collagen in no, your lips. No, I've had patients coming into my office with their, their silicone lip uh, no. products, and they want them taken out immediately because yeah. they cause them nothing but problems. Well, I saw, you know, so working, um, 
working as a plastic surgery nurse, I definitely have seen a lot. I know you've seen a lot too. Um, but one of our surgeons down there has had to a couple of times extract what was used to be called artifil, and it's now called Bellafil, but um, it does not go on the lips. And he's had to surgically remove some of that out of people's lips, and it was a oh, mess. That's it was, a, that's it a disaster. Really it created really bad scar tissue. So anyway, we do have a couple of questions that are waiting in line here. Oh, my gosh. We have so many questions here, y'all. I mean, I can't believe <laughs> Where are we gonna that our crowd here has submitted so many amazing questions. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, oh my God. They're, they're in a frenzy, Ann. Please frenzy. answer some questions for the people. Okay, so... Okay, this is a good one. They're what? all they're all good. They're all good questions. Okay, and this this one is kind of twofold. Um, so I'm going to let you answer the first one, and I'll answer the second one. Okay, sounds good. Okay, so what do you recommend to make your neck look youthful? <laughs> oh my gosh, neck rejuvenation! If I had a dollar uh, for what to do for the neck. Um, uh, that's a great question, Ann, because, you know, there's a million, uh, so when you analyze, so I, I'm sure you, you think the same thing I do, so when you, when you analyze any area on the body, you always think to yourself, what is there in that area on the body? So when I think of the neck, I think of what? What's there? Well, I think of skin, obviously, Then there's also muscles there, and there's also fascia there, and there's some fat there, right? And so what is the source of the problem for the neck? And so if it's purely a skin issue, that's one thing, as opposed to purely a fat issue versus purely a uh, muscle. muscle laxity issue. Yeah. And so that kind of like guides what treatment you do for the area. And that's what you need to think about. And so, you know, there's um, uh, the product that everyone and their dog knows about that at least watches TV is something called Kybella, which is something that is a product that has been put out by a company to dissolve the fat. And so that's what everybody that comes into practice wanting because they're like, oh my God, there's this magic injection that's completely going to take care of this problem for me. Please inject it into me right now. <laughs> and, uh, and so I get all these people coming in for Kybella. And then once I actually sit down to discuss with them what Kybella entails, I've had about, um, I don't know, zero takers, actually. Yeah, um, pretty much, because let me, I'm going to inject here. You're <laughs> you going like to inject? Yeah. You like that? You like well, that? That's what you do best, Dan. I'm going to interject here. Uh, yeah, and in medical treatments, we have to tell you the truth, okay? The number one rule, the very first day of nursing school, and I'm not kidding, I'm totally serious, the very first day of nursing school, and my daughter can attest to this, is they tell you nurses don't lie, okay? I have a little bit of an issue with med spas and non-physician-owned places. Now, I do work those places. However, you can't lie to the patients, but I have to tell you, it hurts like hell. I can tell you from experience, I had it done about a month ago, and actually underneath my chin, it's still numb, and it hurts really, really bad. Now, if you want to do it someplace else, there's some great off-label areas, you know, back fat, like bra fat, just some, some great areas that are off-label. I'm just suggesting you don't get it done in the chin, that there's better options, like maybe getting liposuction with you. I had a friend who, who had one round of Kybella in his neck. They don't ever come back. And he, no, no, even worse. He actually had one round of Kybella in his neck, and now he can't grow facial hair in his neck. And oh, so he's really? got all these little bald spots oh, in his oh, neck really? from I Kybella. I know I shouldn't bash Kybella because my, my friends at Al are going to be upset with me, but that's okay. Hey, it is what um, it is, you know? Uh, no, I'm not, I can't say these things as a <laughs> physician, um, but currently not paid by Oregon. Um, no, and so so the thing about Kybella that that no one really tells you until you get in there is it requires 
they, they used to say three rounds of treatment, but now they'll tell you four rounds of treatment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so that means four recoveries there, which is and fantastic. Three, and at least three vials per treatment. Correct. And at so, $7.50 a vial. Correct. And so when you look at the price point for Kybella for neck rejuvenation, and this is a common thing, almost more so amongst men than women, actually, um, is the fact that then once you realize it's going to be four recoveries, most people will completely tell you no. And so... They might as well go get liposuction well, with you. thank you, Ann. Actually, that's like, what I... Like, seriously. And, oh, my gosh. You I just, don't understand. Uh, it, it just... It makes no sense to me. Ann is currently not being paid by me, but if she were, that's what I would have said next to my spiel. And so liposuction of the neck is actually what I usually recommend because it basically is one recovery. And the price point is actually... As much as I like to say that... I, you know, people may say I, I, I charge way too much. I don't, number one. And then number two, um, the price point is way lower for neck liposuction versus four rounds of Kybella. Yeah, so I just did the math on three rounds of Kybella. It's about $4,050 mm-hmm. at their recommended treatment. So I don't know what their I, I, liposuction for the, under the chin is, but... And I have, no idea what, I have no idea what anything costs. My coordinator takes care of that because I give everything away. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> but I guarantee you they're going to get a better result, a faster recovery, and... Um, yeah, it's just, it makes no sense to me. I'm just telling you, yeah. I, I tell things like it is. I'm not going to lie. I'm not being paid by companies to either promote things or not promote things. I'm, out of my 10 years of experience in the industry, there's a lot of things going on in the industry that the whole point of this podcast is to educate and form, thereby empowering the consumer, which is you. And um, that's what I want to do. So I hate Kybella. There you go. Sorry. <laughs> You heard, so, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Anne hates Kybella. Okay, now the second part of that question. Oh, there's two parts? Yeah. Okay. The second part of that question is, what fillers can I use around my eyes? And that is a really good question because, um, okay, so we have several different kinds of fillers. We have a filler uh, family that is called hyaluronic acid. It's an HA, and it is not an acid. It will not burn you. It's hyaluronic acid. Um, I explain it to people. It looks like clear grape jelly. Okay. Um, that sounds delicious. Yeah, can I have some of that? It's like clear grape jelly. Do, can I inject that into my mouth? <laughs> I would rather, but see, it's clear. It needs to be purple if it's oh, in the grape jelly. Oh, so it's not as delicious it's as, as delicious. grape jelly. Okay. Um, and then we also have other fillers that are called biostimulatory fillers, and I'm not going to get into those, but we have biostimulatory fillers. So number one, you never want a biostimulatory filler injected in your tear troughs, which is under your eyes. You don't want that. Um, Now, there are some people that do that, and uh, I have done that, but it takes a a lot of care, and I'm just not a big fan of it. So I just tell people, like, if they're going to have that done, they need to go to a plastic surgeon. Um, I, not to diss dermatologists, but dermatologists really don't know much about that either. Just because fillers and Botox, that's like all part of your resident, like that's part of the whole plastic surgery gig. And I don't really know if it is the dermatology gig right now, but it's kind of something they learn later. But anyway, basically, and I'll let you answer that in a moment. But basically, you want to stick with a hyaluronic acid filler that goes under your eyes and the tear troughs. You want to stay away from the biostimulatory. Secondly, you don't want a hyaluronic acid filler that is very hydrophilic, which means it draws water. Because if you put something in under your eyes where you have tear ducts and you get allergies and you could draw, you, you have a lot of fluid in that area, you could have some macular edema if you're a little bit older, then you're going to just have big, watery, puffy bags under your eyes. So that eliminates 
half of our hyaluronic acid fillers, which takes me to two different fillers that I would use under the eye. Restylane, which is non-hydrophilic, just plain original Restylane from 100 years ago, and Bellatero. Um, and it just kind of depends. If someone, you know, if somebody still has some, some tissue and maybe a little bit of fat there, I'll use the Restylane. If they've completely lost all volume there and they basically have skin just resting on the orbital bone, I will use the Bellatero. Hmm. Um, and then I might go back in several months later and put in some Restylane. But the, the Restylane, I've, I feel like, or you could kind of thin it out a little bit, but I just feel like the Restylane is still a little too, still has a little too much oomph when they just have skin laying on their orbital bone. Now, that's my opinion. Um, so what do you think? Well, I think it's a, that's actually a really good question, Anne. The, the teardrops are one of those things that is a very challenging area to, to, to treat. Oh, and they need to use a cannula, not okay. a needle. Thank you. Actually, I was hoping you'd say that. Never mind. You stole my thunder. But no. Um, Sorry. No, and, and this is something that I, I have actually been. That's all I do. <laughs> so the, the teardrops are an area that I've been kind of like made, made, it to, made a little like um, specialty project of mine because I love doing it. And oh my God, me too. Uh, yeah, and I so, love and, and, but And I agree that it needs to be someone that knows what the heck they're doing. Yeah. Not to say, you know, I mean, the thing about the teardrops is that your lower eyelid skin is the, low, is the thinnest skin on your body. And so you do not want to monkey with the lower eyelid skin, period. Right. And so you need to make sure the person that's doing something there knows what the heck they're doing. Um, because I've actually, I've had patients come into my office who had a filler injected by someone, you know, in the community who injects fillers all the time, very experienced person, but they never really in, entered that arena. And they actually had had that product dissolved by hyaluronidase, which is what breaks down hyaluronic acid. Right. Fillers. Yeah. And so you need to be careful what you go there because this gal came into the clinic with essentially like sausage pet, sausage links yeah. in her lower right. eyelids and they yeah. look completely terrible. So you all need to be careful well, when you do that. Another thing too, Allergan's not going to like me about this either, but the Vicross technology... I never, I will never, ever, 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 never put a Vicross technology in the tear trough. I will not do Voluma, especially. It's not made to go there. But off-label, you know, you know, we do off-label things that are accepted in the I never, I never do off-label things ever, in. Oh, bull. No, no, no. I, I follow labels. <laughs> well, I follow I'm labels. a rule follower. I'm a rule follower, too. But there's things that are medically accepted. Okay, fair enough. I'm talking about the medically accepted off-label things. So a lot of people are using Velour and Vobella in the tear troughs, and it's just not working. I have people coming in, like you said, with sausages, and I ha and they've got pearls. They have little yeah. round nodule pearls in their tear troughs. So I'm not, just for the record, I am not a Vicross Technology fan, Vobella, Velour for the tear troughs. No, I agree, I agree 100%. And, and I, like, I just say, make sure you, the person you go to knows has done this area before because it's a very delicate area. I do this. I agree with Anne. The cannula is key, and then the product I actually use is actually Restylane Silk usually because I feel like that's got the nice thinness to it and it gives you the the augmentation of the bone that you need. Um, but you know, and personally, actually, I'm surprised you say Bellatero Anne because I actually would think that would be too thin for right there. Well, it it is, but that's why I say that's why I I say somebody who has their skin laying on their orbital bone, like they have completely lost all of their ocular fat, 
So, well, I mean, it's, it's not my favorite. My go-to is wrestling. Okay, regular wrestling? Yeah, regular playing gold oh, wrestling. Interesting. That's my uh, go-to. What's your concern about the Tyndall effect? I don't have it with wrestling. Really? Uh-uh. Okay. I don't, I don't have that issue. But it's all about the placement. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I, I just assumed the skin was so thin there that I'd be... I, well, I personally would be concerned, but I, you know... Well, the what fa- do you use if the skin's laying there? What, what would you do I do then? silk. Oh, yeah. I'm not a big silk fan just because... And that's cool for you because, like, you can handle that. That's not something I feel like I could sleep at night because of, you know, all the swelling and, um, and things like that that happen. Yeah, so that, that stays in your wheelhouse, which I'm totally cool with that. Well, I, I, I never sleep anyway, so getting texts and phone <laughs> so calls late go. at night is not a big deal. Yeah. So, you know, if patients have swelling and they text me at 9 o'clock at night, I'll still be awake. Okay, so or the- 2 in the morning. It's fine. <laughs> The next question says, what's the best advice you'd give to someone looking for a good Botox injector? You come to me. That's like the best advice I can give. But if you live across the country, or or or, or if you're on the other side of the Dallas North Tollway, come see me. Um, so yeah, those those are the two best two pieces of advice is either Ann or myself. Um, no, beyond but, that, no, but seriously, looking for for an injector in general, it goes back to the credentials. And, um, you know, there, it, it just goes to the credentials. And then beyond the credentials, you want to ask them what is their experience. You want to ask them where they were trained or how they received their training. If you go to my website, you're going to see not only have I been trained, but I continue to go to training. I go to conferences and meetings all the time um, throughout the whole year. And I, ha- I usually end up with over 25 continuing education credits per year because of the conferences that I attend. And then I also um, have a, a fabulous, a wonderful, I'm so blessed to have an incredible network of other nurse injectors. Because I've gone to these conferences, I've met these other injectors, and we're all connected through Facebook and different things. And we have some forums that we share with each other um, techniques and tips and stuff like that. So you want somebody that has a support system, that they're not just brand new and just kind of started out and they're on their own and they they went and got a training in one weekend and they're just kind of like by themselves. I'm never by myself. I have other physicians. I have other nurses. And then I also go and um, a lot of physicians or other nurse injectors I'll go spend a weekend with them. You know, I have a lot of people, I ask people to mentor me and sometimes I mentor other people. So it's important to find an injector that is really involved with their profession and they're not just a weekend warrior, you know, somebody that just learned how to do this and they're just kind of doing it, you know, once or twice a, a month. That's, that's my answer. And so, <laughs> go ahead. No, no I, I agree. It's, it's kind of like, my opinion of that is the same as picking a surgeon. It's, it's, it's kind of like um, a date, the dating game, if you will, right? You need yeah. to find someone that you can, that gels with you, that will, can appreciate your needs and will be able to deliver upon your needs. And in the event that something bad happens, that person's going to journey with you through the bad things that can happen. Yeah, because things do happen. That, yeah. That's another great point. Things do happen to the best of us. And so you need to know and have confidence in that person that if, some, if there is an adverse event, that they yeah. know how to handle it and they have the appropriate, appropriate materials on site at that moment to handle it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, 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 that's 100% true. I mean, like, 
You, Hyaluronidase, they, six vials. Yeah, That's, I mean, you know, no yeah, less. Well, Anne's on her soapbox, but I mean, <laughs> but I mean, Botox is poison. I mean, it, at the end of the day, and it can cause problems. And as much as someone, you may go to someone, they have MD after their name. It doesn't mean that they know what they're doing, injecting these things. And I think that y'all need to be careful because it makes me frightened for these people in journeying out in the community to have poison in their and, faces. And, you know, I'm not going to get on this soapbox, you guys, and I know that, that you have to have, like, things to measure by, but seriously, Yelp reviews can be bought. Yelp reviews and things like that, you should not be, you should not be making your decisions 100% based on Yelp reviews because I'm just, until I started doing this podcast, I was not heavy into social media. I'm more, you know, I a, a large part of my practice is by, you know, personal referral. So, um... Anyway, yeah, I was getting to those. We've got. Some oh, other, I'm I'm so sorry, yeah, Anne. I, I, you're, you're you're so good at reading questions. I thought like but I would. Why don't you read? Them? I'm real. I I, you I, read an, you I, I read like an to answer. read. I'm actually I I can read. My mom taught me. Um, <laughs> so one question here is, um, well, these are more so for me, I think, than I you. Know, you read it. And but you I'll read it. it. What would make me feel confident to choose you as my doctor over others locally? And that's you know, that's kind of what I just, I kind of just hit on. But I'll say it again. I mean, you you know. When it comes to the doctor-patient relationship or the doctor or the surgeon-patient relationship, you're, this is a very intimate experience, right? I mean, even something as simple as Botox, but more complicated things like, you know, breast augmentation or breast lift or whatever, or facelift, you know, you are journeying with this person on this very intimate journey. And so, you know, along those times, you know, there'll be bumps in the road, there'll be turns, and bad things may happen, right? And so you want to be have someone as your co-pilot that's willing to go with you through these things. You don't want someone that's going to be like, oh, hey, you have a complication. Yeah, see you later. Uh, and so that's not what you want. No and, ghosting? And ghosting's <laughs> what you do for your Bumble dates, Anne, but you really don't do it for your people that you operate on. And so you don't want to Houdini them. You don't want to ghost them. You want to like know that someone's going to be there till the, till the end of the day, and that's exactly what you should look for. You yeah. know, they also need to be able to, you know, you need to express what your concerns are and what you're looking for in your thing, and then someone needs to be able to, be able to l deliver those those um, goals. And I think that's what you look for in a, in a surgeon or a hell. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Whenever I meet patients in my office, the first 15 minutes is like, you know, number one, it's do they want me, but also do I want you as a patient? Oh, yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. like there'll be times where uh, uh -huh. you know I'm not your. Yeah, I mean, so Red like, flag patient. and so, and so, you know, if a pay, I, I, you know, I'm trying to make sure that I'm not terrified to do surgery on someone yeah, absolutely. because if a person comes in and they have unrealistic expectations or they're asking for things that, that I know is impossible for their body, I will say to them, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, I'm not the surgeon for you. Um, and I'll give them the card of the guy next door, obviously. I'm just kidding. I never do that. <laughs> but, but you know, it's, it's, it's a two-way street. No, anyway. it totally is. And, and there are... Okay, so let's talk about that. BDD, body dysmorphic disorder. There is such a thing. So are you, have you, are you getting pretty good at, at being able to laser focus in on somebody that has body dysmorphic disorder? Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, um, that's important because there are those people. And as injectors, like... I understand that people may, you know, they have lines and wrinkles and they want to make them better, but then when they're better and they come back in and, and it's like something that you need a microscope to see and they still want you to, it, it's just, yeah, it can get, it can get kind of crazy. So, um, you know, we, not only do patients want to interview us, but we actually interview our patients too. 
So I like this next question. Oh, oh, Anne's got an amazing question. Let's do it. Yeah. Amazing. What's the? I don't know if you can talk about this though. I, I know I know some and I can't talk about them. What's the biggest medical mistake you've seen a surgeon make? Oh gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean that's the thing, like can you talk about it? <laughs> I mean things happen. No, things happen. uh no, I mean it's it's that's interesting because okay, everyone maybe there's two I'm gonna interrupt you, sorry. There's two different factions to that because one could be total one hundred percent negligence because they're an idiot and or it could be a bad mistake but it just it just was something that was out of their control and it couldn't happen i mean it could have happened to anybody right you know there, there's two different kinds of mistakes there there's mistakes that well, people shouldn't have made yeah. and they're totally negligent and there's other mistakes that just happen well i mean i i'll be I'll, i'm going to take the the high road and the diplomatic road here on this one <laughs> and um I know, it's unusual. Everyone's looking at me right now. Um, <laughs> he's going that way. Yes, I am going there. Um, really, to be perfectly honest, I mean, like, complications, uh, we just said this a second ago, complications are going to happen no matter what. I mean, I, even if you're the best patient, the best surgeon, and, like, every star aligns under the sun to make for the best outcome, complications can happen. I mean, like, from something simple like Botox to something more complicated, things are going to happen, and so... In my opinion, you know, like I can't really like dispute someone if something bad happened because they, you know, if you have a surgeon and a patient or an injector and a patient and you decide upon a reasonable treatment algorithm and something bad happens, well, I can't really tell you that's the worst right. thing I've ever seen happen. Right. I think the, the worst thing is if you have an, uh, a plan that makes no sense or if the surgeon slash treatment person abandons the patient. I think I think that's really where bad things can yeah. happen. And so I mean well, I th they have people doing things that they shouldn't be doing. Well like they have unlicensed or people that shouldn't be just, just they make bad decisions. That's what I mean. Well I, I you know and I agree with you. I mean I think that's why we when we opened this podcast you mentioned um you mentioned credentials and all even these the people working with them because there well, are physicians out there that have uncredentialed people doing things in their office, well, like Botox and fillers. No, and I and I and they I, shouldn't be doing them. And that's what I'm trying to say. I think, Anne, yeah. is that you you really want to talk, to hone in on that in the beginning, and you know you'll go to these places and there'll be people that have no idea how the things that they do work. Example: Botox or IPL, photofacials, etc. And so, you know, people will empower them to do these things. And so it's going to be one of two outcomes. It's going to be either one, an outcome that is ineffective, or number two, it's an outcome that's going to harm a patient. Yeah. And so often they'll, they will, basically the people in charge of these places will make it so that the outcomes are actually not harmful, but they'll be ineffective. And so basically that's, yeah. that's I, I think we kind of wormed our way to this thing right now, which got to basically check your, do your homework, et cetera. Right? Yeah, yeah absolutely, okay. for sure. So, okay, a lot of people out there um, in, in Frisco, Dallas, you know, whether you're even Arlington, all, all these different places, um, explain to somebody what a mommy makeover is. <laughs> oh, what's a mommy makeover? If I, if I had a dollar. Um, so the, mo the, quote, mommy makeover is a term that every plastic surgeon basically about five to ten years ago completely hated and made fun of. And oh, now, really? and, and yo, oh yeah, yeah, oh my gosh, How it's funny. so stupid. That's, that term's so dumb. And now every one of us has it on our website. And so there it is. And so, what is a mommy makeover? Well, it's basically 
a combination of procedures. Um, and so it's, it, it's basically something to do with the breast, and that's either a lift with or without an implant or just a breast augmentation or it's a tummy procedure of some sort. And usually it's a tummy tuck because of the changes that happen with having babies and gaining and losing weight, et cetera. So it's a combination of these two. Um, and so that's quote the mommy makeover. All right, perfect. Well, and it's interesting, I was, I, sorry, I paused because I was looking at my phone. Because um, I Googled last night the top five cosmetic surgical procedures. So number one is breast augmentation. Uh huh. Number two is liposuction, which, in most cases that I've been involved in, mommy makeover includes liposuction too. You know, so well, yeah, so breast dog, so, so, liposuction, so, yeah. and nose nose reshaping or rhinoplasty is number three. Eyelids or blepharoplasty is number four, and then your tummy tuck, abdominoplasty is number five. So usually, mommy makeover is kind of breast dog, lipo, and mm -hmm. and abdominoplasty. So. Yeah, and, and I mean, like, you know, the, the, the quote mommy makeover, we, we, we made fun of it, but I mean, like, honestly, it's like, it, it is actually a life-changing kind of deal because, oh, yeah. uh, you, know, the, the, you know, the changes that, uh, from having, you know, being blessed with babies and whatnot is um, you can't really reverse them with, because these women will tell me, like, I worked out, I worked out, I worked out, I can't get rid of this little pooch here, and it's like, well, you know, your muscles are no longer together, and the only way they're going to go away is if we stitch them together, so. Yeah. It's kind of the way it is. Yeah, so... So, why don't you discuss? Do you do do you do like skin only, or do you always do the for the, the tummy? The, yeah. Oh, that's I mean that's a great question. I mean, it's like I said earlier, Ann. It's like basically like when it comes to me on any area I address in the body from head to toe, it's like. I look at what is the the problem or what's the issue here, right? And so I will do what the area dictates. If it's you know someone that is like you know, has just skin excess, like, and that's the rare case, obviously, yeah. but it's like the person that's like, you know, you know, when Heidi Klum comes in with her BMI <laughs> of 19 and she had like a, a Big Mac instead of her salad for dinner and she has a little bit of skin, then that's what I would do is a skin only. But yeah. I mean, that's the, the rare, the exception. The exception. Yeah. I mean, cause honestly, like even Heidi Klum who's had babies probably could use a little bit of tightening of her, of the, uh, her diastasis recti, which is loosening of her Thank abdominal you. I muscles. I couldn't remember that name. <laughs> yeah, I, well, you know, I, I trained for a long time. To say, I trained for, I trained for a long time to say those words. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I say them. I love that. Well, and then on the non-surgical route, the top five uh, procedures are the botulinum toxin type A, which is Botox, Dysport, or Xeomin. Um, soft tissue fillers, which is also like what I was talking about, the hyaluronic acids, the Juvederm, Restylane, and then also the biostimulatory fillers. Um, and then you've got chemical peels as number three, laser hair removal as number four. Man, you can never go wrong with laser hair removal. Like, you can never go wrong with that. I mean, it's, it's like getting that as a service. That is like the best service ever. And then five is well, microdermabrasion. Let me time out on that. Do you do much of that for, as, as your deal, or do you, is that more esthetician than you? Well, um, it's, it's so wonky here in Texas. Believe it or not, you do not have to have a laser license. People get so confused. You do not have to have a laser license to run an Erbium YAG laser. Um, or an ablative laser or a fractional laser, but you, dadgum, better have your laser hair removal license if, if you're not a registered nurse. Now, if you are a nurse, you can pretty much run any of the lasers. 
But yeah, so for for some weird reason, you know, back like seven, eight years ago, they decided to make a laser hair removal law, and so they had to have laser hair removal licenses. But well, yeah, well, I mean, like, so that that takes me. You said everyone would benefit from laser hair removal, then. But I'm actually, you know, hard to believe, but I'm actually blonde. Well, and so, yes. And so for me, I, I, I've always been told that, you know, for the fair, fair hair people, laser hair removal is a challenge because well, of that. right. The laser does not see white, gray, blonde, or red. Okay. You're all of them. So, I'm, so am I. So I'm hosed. <laughs> so basically, I'm, I'm going to be her suit for the rest of my life. Yeah. So, yeah. So, well, the great thing, the great news is, well, it just kind of depends. So as women... So when we talk about like Botox and fillers and stuff like that, I always explain to my patients we gain we gain fat where we don't want to gain it. So I'm pointing to my waist for our listeners, and we lose fat where we don't want to lose it. I'm pointing to the face, and my friend is pointing to her boobs. <laughs> so face and boobs, we lose fat. So that's why we put fillers, um, and we actually do have a a procedure that can help besides breast augmentation. We've got other procedures too, but I won't get into that. Um, but for men, they tend to lose hair where they don't want to lose it and grow hair where they don't want to grow it. So, <laughs> Why is everybody here looking at me all of a sudden, right, Ann? <laughs> so Th- thankfully, the back of my head is to the wall and not to the people, the patrons here, because yeah. they would see where my hair is missing yeah. currently. Well, thankfully, you're young enough. You're not growing hair in your nose and ears yet. Uh, no, I, no, I trim it. That's we're good. good. That's good. <laughs> but no, I, I do like laser hair removal. And and there's also different lasers out there. So just real quick, and then I think we got to wrap things up. Um, if people are looking for laser hair removal, you you can have it done with an IPL or a photofacial um, type machine, which is not truly a laser because it's it's a... Um, it's a laser light device. It's a laser light device, yeah. and it has multiple waves of light. But you really want to have hair removal done with a laser. And so you're either going to have it done with a 755 um, machine or you're going to have it done with a 1064. And that's pretty much all you need to know. If you have, if, if you're like a, so we, we have skin types one through five. And if you're like a skin type four, which would be a moderate uh, colored skin, Hispanic, um, or a five is going to be African-American. So a four and five, you're always going to want to ask for a YAG laser. And that's part of laser physics, but there's a reason why the YAG laser is able to see past YAG the melanin. YAG sounds awesome. Yeah. It's able to see past the melanin in the top layer of skin and get to the melanin target that is in the hair bulb. A 755 is used for people that are skin types one and two, extremely fair as you and I. Yes. So like light skin, light eyes, light hair. Well, you have to have medium brown to darker hair to have it removed. But So essentially, I'm going to be her suit forever. Yeah. You just ruined my day. Oh, sorry, sorry. But so right now at this point, we're going to go ahead and end the podcast portion. And I want to thank everybody for being here. I want to thank my team. I appreciate it. <laughs> And, and I also want to thank uh, the team that puts the Aesthetic Podcast together. They are a magnificent team, and definitely I would not be able to do this on my own. The only thing I can do is basically talk, so everything else no, no, no. is and, done and, by my and, team. and you can inject, too. Uh, well, uh, you can inject and talk. Should I do an injecting podcast? 
Uh, well, that has to be visual, so it'd be boring to Well, that's what I'm to. saying. The only thing but, I can do with um, the podcast if it's is talk. A, if it's YouTube, then you can totally do it. Yeah, I can do that. So, um, but anyway, we're gonna, we've got some giveaways tonight for our what? in-house audience. So thank you guys for joining us on the Aesthetic Podcast. We appreciate you. Continue to listen. And um, if you want to contact us at the Aesthetic Podcast, you can go to aestheticanrn at gmail.com. You can always email us there and follow us on social media. You can also go to the Aesthetic Podcast and be sure and become a subscriber. And tell your friends. Find us on iTunes or Spotify. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Tell everyone. Tell everyone. Tell your dog. They want to listen to. And thank you, Dr. Hill. I appreciate it. Oh, my gosh. And this is awesome. This might be like the most fun I've had at least today, if not this week. Okay. Uh, Tell everybody real quick. Where can they find you? www.lonestarplasticsurgery.com or at lonestarplasticsurgery.com on Instagram. Facebook is something. And there's a YouTube channel, too. We're going to do YouTube, Ann. You're into YouTube. Cool. I know. I'm so fancy like that. We do YouTube now. We are, too. So awesome. All right. Uh, Social media is where it's at. You guys have a great day. We appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you next time on the Aesthetic Podcast with Aesthetic Ann. Bye-bye.